afternoon. This is Tabitha. Welcome to White Wellness Radio. Today, the summer solstice, June 21, 2022, Tuesday, broadcasting out of New York for White Wellness Radio. That song right there was the band Stick Figure back in 2019 with World on Fire featuring Slightly Stupid. I figured it was an appropriate song uh, given the times that we are, are living in. So today, savoring the solstice, that is the topic of today's broadcast. And this day only comes but once a year. This is the longest day of the year. I believe um, it officially became summer at 5.13 a.m. So yeah, happy summer. Happy summer solstice, everyone. So to start off, let's go for the word of the week. Let's see what we've got here. All right. Well, this is one of my favorite words, actually, and I've known of this word for a while before I got this deck, but I love it. I'd like to see it back in fashion. That word is bibulous, B-I-B-U-L-O-U-S, bibulous. In the 17th century, absorbent like a sponge. It comes from the same root as imbibe and was later used figuratively to mean, quote, addicted to alcohol. In the 17th century, a bib was a cloth associated with the drinking of wine worn to keep, quote, Tears of the tankard from dripping on the tippler's waistcoat. Bibe, B-Y-B-B-E, from Latin bibo to quote drink, denoted the clever subterfuge of taking small frequent sips of liquor at brief intervals so that a great deal could be absorbed without the appearance of excess. Bibacity denoted an outrageous capacity for drink. So this is a good word. It's also a nice word to use in different ways as well, and it's still correct to say like, you were bibulous to something, like almost like soaked it up like a sponge, like a sponge is bibulous too. It's just different way of using it than the uh, the way of using it with drinking, but it originally means absorbent like a sponge. So you can be bibulous to information, I think, in the same way someone could be kind of absorbing alcohol like a sponge. But interesting to think of um, how alcohol does absorb in a body like a sponge oftentimes because it creates bloating sometimes for some people. And this word is an interesting word. So yeah, bibulous, that is the word of the week. And I guess it is week this time, not fortnight, because I was doing a broadcast last week as well. All right, fun little word there. Maybe use that word in, um, in more of your vocabulary. Who knows? And we've got Josh and Epiphany joining us. Greetings to both of you. Happy solstice. Yep. So I just wanted to mention something um, kind of unsavory before we start with the broadcast and all the, the better, more appetizing information. Actually, some of the information is not so appetizing, but nevertheless, a little good, a little bad. 
So this is crazy, but this morning I woke up to this email from someone I haven't heard from in like over two years. Um, one of the people from the other network from WTFU or WTFR radio, this person that, um, well, we just call him the kangaroo. That's what typically he was called. The person's name is, is uh, Sean. So I get this message from him this morning on my email that I don't even think he has. So that means he's probably listening to the show and that's how he got the email from some of the show descriptions. So he writes me this crazy email. What happened to your boyfriend? Question mark. Wow. What happened to your boyfriend, Tabitha? Mike Sledge. I know you were, I knew you were a kike ass after a dozen shows. Disgusting. Where's Mikey now that you ditched him and stopped paying the bills? White wellness, my arse, Spurg. I'm still going strong and you're dead in the water. Suck shit, juice scum. Sincerely, Sean. So this is really weird. I just, I never thought I'd heard from this person again. I don't really intend to obviously correspond back, but really weird. Um, probably just shit-faced and after he heard the broadcast, decided to write this. I don't know. Crazy stuff. Just a little bit of uh, unsavory radio drama right there, but it just kind of reinforces something that I've been talking about a lot in a lot of the most recent broadcasts about moving away from the quote movement, you know, the bowel parenthesis movement. Why would anyone want anything to do with like, these are actually whites, like people actually act like this are literally white, like people who act like that are not really white to me. These are super, super low vibe people right here. But it just it just reinforces just moving away from any of that rhetoric, any of that idea of like what a quote white nationalist is like white nationalist is a low vibe snare that gives people racial tunnel vision. Do we need, need to be racial? Absolutely. It's really important, but we need to have a panoramic perspective to kind of, you know, um, be bibulous to our racialism. It has to kind of flow into it. We can't just have this like romper stomper tunnel vision. And Sean, um, Josh is saying Sean is a POS or piece of shit, worthless, worthless waste of human ex excitement. I think he probably means excrement. The best part of him ran down his mother's like, <laughs> yeah, he's a really low, a low vibe person. Um, totally is someone who I would say is stuck in the snare of white nationalism and just like people like this are what the enemy want all of us to think we are. We're like these low life, low vibe, unsavory, like people who have tunnel vision, who are probably caught in a million other psyops and just treat everyone else, including themselves like shit. So the enemy hopes that we all are these low vibe snare like people, but I don't consider these people even white at this point. I mean, what, what, what scumbags, right? Just, I don't know why he even sent that, but yeah, just to give you guys an idea of just, I think like the spectrum. I've even been talking earlier um, behind the scenes about the spectrum of like what we have in this movement with Josh before. And we really do have a spectrum of people. We have really low vibe people like this. And then we have people who are really just, I don't know, way higher vibe and, and normal. So all the more ways to celebrate the solstice is to distance from any of this, like these low vibe values that the enemy wants to associate with, you know, I guess, what would you call it? Pro-whiteism, white wellness, you know, um, esoteric Aryanism, spiritual racialism, whatever, like a, a movement of people who aren't pieces of shit, 
who actually want better and like aren't like around wishing like vitriol and everybody else like this person who wrote me that um email he believed that like every other race on the planet like deserved to be exterminated you know which is i don't feel that way personally like i'm not a genocider like i'm a true national socialist i want everyone to flourish on their own and do their own thing and not bother each other and have minimal interaction like i'm not here trying to like wish genocide on other other beings like who the fuck would do that so this is a really low 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 vibe person the enemy wants to think that anytime that we say we're eugenic we're really into stuff like that like you know offing everyone in the world he said that he thought every other race in the world was quote filth on feet which is actually kind of like a funny saying and um you know and all that but still yeah there are such low vibe people who are in this movement who are giving it a bad name. Um, so use the summer solstice as an excuse if you have to, to distance yourself from all this IO sludge, you know, and a lot of these people are caught up in like, they probably believe in germs. Like they probably are in so many snares already, but they actually like got caught. Like they were smart enough to understand that we have to be racial, but they like got caught in like this snare of like basically being a racist and not a racialist, right? And that's exactly what the enemy banks on. They wanna um, paint us all like that. That's their goal, to make it look like every white person is a racist. That's what that whole anti-white or that anti-racism stuff is all about. It's all anti-white stuff. And that stuff is going hand in hand with the LGBTP plus programming. Oh my God, speaking of LGBTP, this is something that I'm realizing now that I didn't write for the show notes, but this is just, Oh my God, I saw that there is this camp here on Long Island that's for like LGBTP kids. Like you don't necessarily have to be a tranny, but it's this camp for kids who are like six to 17 to go. And like everyone there is like pro it or they are it. And they're, it's basically like a brainwashing camp where they're giving you like history on LGBTP and like all this crazy stuff that's like not true about like science and biology. And the name of the camp is Camp Ga'anava. And guess what language that is and guess what it means? Well, of course, it's a Hebrew word. And that word Ga'anava means pride. So it's Camp Pride. So now they have this grooming camp on um, Long Island. Yeah, that could affect like kids age like six to 17. Fucking crazy. But this just flows into what I was saying about, you know, low vibeism and all that, all that stuff and all the anti-whiteism, like that low vibeism of, you know, the racist form of white nationalism, it makes everybody look bad, obviously, right? And that's, of course, their goal for it. And it also creates more, I think, of this anti-racist rhetoric they can put out there as a foil, you know, as a hit back, because there's so many racists out there, right? And then all this anti-racist stuff is really just embroiled into the LGBTP, and all of that is just essentially transhumanism. So anyone who's really thinking in this low vibe way is fueling all that Zio sludge, but yikes, that thing about the LGBTP camp. Oh my God. And get a load of this too. I was like, I was like in shock when I was reading it. They make the kids who go to this camp celebrate like Jewish holiday. They make them celebrate like, you know, Shabbat, like on Friday. So 
it's like almost like a new religion. I'm sure they're teaching them all this stuff about like evolution and like um, how we all come from like monkeys or something like all this crazy crap. There was actually someone in the white wellness chat a couple of days ago who like literally was arguing that like we came from like fish or monkeys. It's just, ah, it's so crazy. Like it's just all the more reason why we should celebrate the solstice, which is really a great way to root us into reality because we can move away from all of that encroaching metaverse transhumanism stuff that's been happening for well quite some time so speaking of the solstice let's switch to something a little more appetizing and um thanks epiphany uh she wrote wow sarah you were subjected to that with that nasty um email but yeah some people are just low vibe you know that's it um should we worry about saving whites like this absolutely not they've already proved themselves to be totally and completely worthless to the cause so all right, so a little bit about the summer solstice. So here we go. June 21st, it marks the start of the summer months and the longest day of the year. That's right, before the nights start to grow longer again. In the nature-based faiths, this solstice is known as Letha and is considered one of the most sacred Sabbaths of the year. This is when people gathered and still gather at Stonehenge for a day and night long celebration, watching the sun align and shine through a certain point in the structure. In the most basic essence, this day is a celebration of the sun and that it is still shining on us. It will one, it will go out one day and we should revel in the fact that we were born at this point in the earth's evolution. And the solstice also holds deeper nature metaphors for life, fertility, and the cycle of time and seasons. No matter what your view of spirituality or nature, the sun and summertime is always a thing worth celebrating. And yes, it definitely is. And what are some ways that we can celebrate the summer solstice and root into living, root into savoring the solstice and getting away from all that, those snares, right? So one, pretty, pretty straightforward, get outside, take advantage of the longest day and go on walks, preferably without your cell phone in tow. Go to the beach, to any park or forest, or even the smallest park can suffice if you are city locked. Something else, stay up late. In many solstice worshiping cultures, the shortest night is a time to celebrate the seasons and set intentions for the months to come. Go dancing to a concert, throw a solstice watching party or bonfire on the beach and watch the sun and rise again in summertime. Watch the sunset and rise again in summertime. So it's a kind of a staying up late night. Spend time with the flowers, garden, buy flowers and arrange them all over your home or explore a botanical garden. Flowers are symbols of the solstice and many believe flowers possess magical powers. Fire magic. The sun is the symbol of the fire element of the solstice. Set your intentions with a fire ritual. Some cultures light bonfires and dance all night until the flames reduce to embers. Then they would jump over the burning coals and make their wishes for months ahead. A more toned down ritual can include lighting a candle, setting your wish or intention and blowing it out. Sound familiar? Even our birthday rituals hold the pagan roots. If you are celebrating outside with a fire, burn plants like chamomile, mugwort, St. John's wort, or lavender for good health and calm. Ground yourself with some yoga or meditation. There's strong sun energy brewing on the solstice, which can feel intense for some. Help ground yourself or meditate with, um, with meditative or yoga rituals. Go to a class, watch a calming yoga tutorial on YouTube, listen to meditative music, or try to 
and try to do these rituals outside if you can. Solstice sex. Embrace and harness the energy of the sun and all the crazy vibrations brewing today. Great right sex acts were and are created part of pagan rituals, especially in welcoming of the summer months. See, sex is not this thing that they always tell us in Abrahamic religions where they use it as a as a denial, something to get away from, right? Notice that with all of those faiths. This solstice is a symbol of fertility and life. Just make sure to practice the safe, consensual um, type of sex. Solstice rituals harken back to goddess worship after all. And yes, I think that's actually one of the oldest religions in the world. That might even be older than Sanata Dharma or the Eternal Truth. I'm reading this interesting book about like the history of like goddesses and just... Um, really groovy information and it, it appears that the oldest religion was actually like goddess worship or in particular yoni worship which yeah we'll probably do a show on that at some point because pretty interesting considering how it's the opposite these days and how men want to pretend they even have yonis at this point it's it's wild everything that's going on in the world these days it's so disembodying and there's so many themes that could just completely make someone just feel not even like they're themselves anymore because there's like so many layers of snares just floating around crystal magic if there's a time to cleanse your crystals in sunlight today's the day let the energy of the sun purify your crystals from built up negative energy in the longest sunlight of the year and then sleep with the crystals near your bed held in your palms when you go to bed at night for extra grounding hold on to your black grounding stones like obsidian black tourmaline and shungite Ritual baths. Solstice night is a perfect time for taking a ritual bath. Light the candles. Fill your bath with salt or essential oils or even flower petals. Or add uh, essential oils to the shower or hang flowers from the shower head. Burn cleansing Palo Santo or sage. I was just burning some Palo Santo before the broadcast started to clear your mind. And finally, brew recipes. This is a great time to infuse potions and tinctures for summer. Bake cakes infused with honey, the symbol of the June moon. Flower treats, like edible flowers and things like that. And homemade beauty products made from plants and flowers. And they give a list for some um, things to do. I will actually post this in the show when I archive it. Because there is some interesting information here about making your own infused flower oils or salves as well as making some desserts like a rose petal panna cotta, marzipan solstice cake, and peach rose mascarpone tart. So some interesting recipes perhaps for the solstice or, or beyond. Remember, you can keep on celebrating past um, today. The celebration doesn't have to end with the beginning of you know summer. This is basically just the first night of the beginning of it. So there's many a times to celebrate this of course this is kind of a powerful day because it's the longest day of the year all right so that was that a little bit about the solstice right there i hope everyone has something fun planned for themselves to do uh this solstice whatever it is it could be something small but hope you have something some type of little little something planned for yourself so now i want to talk about some other interesting topics actually oh there's one more thing i want to read about the solstice actually yeah before we go on to something else but here we go the solstice summer in the northern hemisphere and winter in the southern hemisphere so there we go northern hemisphere it's summer 
and it's winter in the southern hemisphere. So it's uh, different for different, depending on where you are. This is a powerful time that marks a transition, a new beginning, the release of the old and a reset that supports a turning point, honoring something in your life that is ending and something new that, that marks a beginning. Focus on a completion, even a small one, that can symbolize larger, the larger cycle of change. What is being released from the past? Honor a new beginning by making a change, even a small one, of something in your environment as a reflection of the larger picture. Bring in something new, try something new, or do something you have never done before. It is important to create some kind of ritual for yourself around this solstice by symbolizing an ending as well as a new beginning. So it's kind of a satanama type of time, right? Um, birth, life, death, rebirth, right? Like all of our holidays essentially are because that's been the cycle forever. That's why nothing really dies when you really look at that from like a panoramic view. And yeah, things do to an extent, but they always come back in some form. That's why the whole idea of transhumanism and extending life and never dying is, is the biggest ball kick and face spitting you could ever imagine for nature. I mean, think about it. Nature always comes back in some way. It's, it's, it's a cycle. It's like a mantra. It's never ending. And then transhumanism comes in with all of its chutzpah and thinks they can do it better using artificial like cheat codes. Basically, it's like using the, the star, like if you're playing Super Mario Brothers, and that has, that somehow is going to extend our, our life in a way that's of quality. They're, they're barking up the wrong tree, um, definitely. That's why they have to do stuff like transsexualism and put out crazy psyops like that. That It's so crazy that we live in a world where people actually accept transsexualism. You know, I was talking with someone on, on um, Father's Day over the weekend, how like people, it's it's such a mind zoggler, just such a total mind zier that people actually, like, I don't know, like believe in it in the first place. It's really crazy. And there was something else in that article about that that pride camp that's on Long Island, it mentioned that, and they were referring to this child as they, this was a, a female, and uh, they were saying that, the article by they, not the, not the person, that when this child would go to school, she would try to use like a deeper voice. When she was going to school, she was putting like a school voice on. So they had determined that the deeper voice she was using when she went to school meant that she was a transsexual. And then the fact that she didn't want to go to princess parties, which, you know, not all girls are into princess parties like that really wasn't, they weren't really as big back in my day, but I was never really into like all that kind of like frilly hyper feminine stuff either. But based on those two things, the fact that she was using a different voice in school and the fact that she didn't like like hyper feminized, like girly parties, they deemed that the child was a transsexual. So we're living in a world that's completely separate from reality, completely and totally. Like the, the world that they're trying to build is an insult to reality, you know, complete and total insult. And that's why all of these ideas, 100%, should be totally and completely rejected, all of their stuff, because it's total xiocrud. So doing something like celebrating the solstice, rooting into the earth, it kind of takes us back into, you know, what we're doing and, and why we're here as opposed to just being a reactive pawn for the Skeksis, right? So a bit there, a bit more about the solstice. And now I wanted to talk about, this is actually a really interesting topic. Um, and I think it's something that after you hear this article and hear about this, you're going to be like, oh yeah, that has been happening. And like, it just really, you know, you sometimes you just, you acknowledge things kind of in a, maybe a subconscious way. 
and then you, you finally hear about it or you see something in writing and then you're like, oh yeah, that's what it is. So this is something that uh, definitely makes sense, especially as we're moving forward in this zoggy post-truth world. I mean, Oyedei is a perfect example of a post-truth world. So is transsexualism. So is the veneration of, you know, psyop criminals like George Floyd. I'm convinced that wasn't even like really like a real thing. And the entire thing was just a hollow hoax to really foment um, race relations and just, you know, also to create kind of like a, a rhetoric of saying, oh, yeah, that that, you know, using like, you know, foul and like language and like racial slurs to say stuff about that Floyd character just to fuel kind of like a racist white nationalism. Right. Just like with everything they put out, like, why would we ever lower ourselves to associating with any of that? So anyway, 14 warning signs that you are living in a society without a counterculture. And we used to have a bit of a counterculture here in America. I even feel like going back to the 90s, there was still a counterculture. And maybe even the early 2000s, maybe I'm pushing it by saying that, but I definitely think a counterculture still existed in the 90s. And maybe some of you out there who are old enough to remember the 90s can, can comment on that or see if you agree with that too. But now it really does appear that we're living in a society without a counterculture. So here's a bit about this. I've occasionally mentioned in interviews and other settings that we are living in a society without a counterculture. People ask me what I meant when I said this. There's a reasonable question. It's a reasonable question, but the new normal, new normal, defies simple explanation. At some point, I hope to write in depth on this subject, but here it is in 14 bullet points. So here are some key indicators that we might be living in a society without a counterculture. And here we are. A sense of sameness pervades the creative world. And yeah, it really does. There's like, maybe there's a unique, unique idea, but there's a sameness to everyone who's carrying it out. And one of the ways I've noticed this manifest is whenever you're on, let's say, Instagram, and people who kind of believe in the same, you know, dietary or lifestyle milieu, they all kind of have similar-ish information. And, you know, that's to be somewhat expected. But all of their memes and just the way they kind of aesthetically um, showcase themselves, it's all same. There's this total sense of sameness, almost like they're all part of the same brand. So that's definitely something I've noticed. Something else, the dominant themes feel static and repetitive, not, dyna not dynamic and impactful. Yeah, I would say it's probably like one of the static themes we have going on now. Virus on the loose, white people are bad, uh, meat causes cancer and is ruining the environment, trans kids are kids, love is love. Uh, these are the themes that we have going on all the time, right? Um, refugees welcome, you know, things just Zio sludge like this. It's all the same thing. It's all the same shit over and over again, not dynamic or impactful. Imitations of the conventional is rewarded. Yeah, look at people making YouTube videos of, you know, a reaction to something, right? So imitation of anything that's at mainstream Zio sludge is rewarded. Uh, a child on TikTok who's had a mastectomy, that's rewarded to be a monetized shit talk channel, right? So when we imitate and we live in the image of, of the Skeksis filth, we're rewarded for being part of like the Skeksis filth paradigm, essentially. 
Music, movies, and other creative pursuits are increasingly evaluated on financial and corporate metrics with other considerations having little influence. Absolutely. They want to make you a brand all the way. Like they don't want to take like someone who's got like a scruffy look, but has like a great voice and writes their own stuff. They don't want that. They want someone they can use as their tool because they need to use these people as key influencers, whether it's a celeb at a, you know, who's a Hollywood celeb or whether it's someone on Instagram, the Skeksis needs everyone to be an influencer to basically try to poison our minds. Because overall, I mean, it is a spiritual war totally, but it's also a psychological war because they get to us spiritually through getting to us psychologically. So they want everything to be same, same, same. Like think of all the loser celebrities who pretended to have the virus, pretended to get the vaccination. So people who believed those celebrities were like their guy just went out and did whatever the celebrity did, you know? <laughs> so they, they count on using, you know, these creative types, whether they're created or not, doesn't even really matter. They use these people for whatever, you know, they want to use them for. And the people who are truly like indie, you don't even really hear about any of that shit too much anymore. It's even, it's, it really is hard to find kind of like that underbelly of society, which existed in the 90s. Like even walking down the streets of like St. Mark's Place, which is a, a well-known part of the East Village in Manhattan, if anyone's familiar with it. It's it's not the same that it was in the 90s. And I haven't been to the city actually since before we AI, but I've been obviously since the 90s many times. And it just doesn't have that kind of like... Um, underbelly kind of feel where everything is like fresh and like no one's actually marketing it that's the problem there's like a, a cloak of advertisement behind everything these days like you never know if something is authentic or not right there's always something behind it that could be making it work or say or act in a certain way just to get something Something else on this list that indicates we are living in a society without a counterculture. Alternative voices exist. In fact, they are everywhere, but rarely heard, and their cultural impact is negligible. Well, oftentimes these individuals are shadow banned, banned, doxxed, right? I mean, this has happened to many people, myself included, who I guess would fit into the category of, as an alternative voice or even an alternative, alternative voice. Do you think white wellness is ever going to reach the capacity of, like, Joe Rogan, it wouldn't be allowed to, I don't think, you know, with, the Skeksis would never want that. They want that guy who like hangs out with like a lone musk and like smokes weed and like, you know, pretends to have the virus. Like they want people to believe this is like an edgy alternative show. And it clearly isn't because the, the voices that really are alternative are harder and harder to find these days, unfortunately. Um, everyone is like backed by some, somebody. And that's a sign that we have no counterculture, right? Every year, the same stories are retold and the sameness is considered a plus. Yeah, it's almost like we become more asleep. We become more just uh, like the whole pride thing. How long is this pride thing? We're going, oh, it's June, it's pride. Oh, it's June, it's pride, right? It's like now we're accustomed to being hit over the head with like a mallet. And like now we know every year it's almost like we're going to know like we're going to have to see this rainbow flag all over the place for like the entire the entire month right and just want to get through the month as quickly as possible <laughs> it's crazy how this has really taken storm recently and i've even talked to some people you know about this who don't live in in um in the on the east coast and it's it's happening across the country so they're really moving hard with this all the stuff in the mall is 
is kind of themed that way. And it really does seem like the anti-white or the anti-racist rhetoric works hand in hand with transsexualism and Oyed AI. What else on this list? Creative work is increasingly embedded in genres that feel rigid, not flexible. Well, yeah, because everything is like trying to be curated to, so it can't be, you know, shadow banned or whatever, or they'll just create fake bands for things. But it does feel like that where um, creativity is becoming less creative because it just has to fit into this rigid paradigm. Even avant-garde work often feels like a rehash of 50 to 60 years ago. Yeah, I would say that's true too, because oftentimes they're just rebuilding on themes and, you know, doing sequels or doing remakes to things. I mean, oftentimes a lot of these, these films are just that, or they're doing, I don't know, they're basing it on like a comic book or something. The story's already been told from a long time ago. So yeah, it does feel that there really is um, no counterculture anymore. Let's take a gander at the chat. Let's see, we've got some messages. Okay, people liking the show. But yeah, um, I don't think we're living in a counterculture anymore. I don't think we even have that cool underbelly. So here is a little bit more uh, on this subject, if we might be living in a society without a counterculture. Every screen shows the same movie. That's crazy says that there was a time when a movie theater in Times Square had 70 different screenings of the same movie. All weeklies disappear in every city along with everything else that's alternative or outside the norm. All weeklies. Oh, I guess like the uh, little papers and stuff. Yeah, there's, um, they're saying the village voice is gone. That's not, I guess it was, it was kind of an alternative paper. That was a, a city paper. I guess it kind of was, but yeah, I guess they got rid of that too. The most popular song doesn't change for three years in a row. Supposedly the most popular song for the last three years has been The Shape of You by Ed Sheeran. I think that's a transsexual, um, but anyway. The banal word content is used to describe every type of creative work, implying their artistry as generic and interchangeable. There are lots of journalists, but they all seem to be working for the same corporation. Yep, this is all increasing every single year, too. Think about it. The dominant company in the creative culture views everything as a brand extension. Exactly. I pretty much alluded to that before. So everything is just a brand extension, and they just want to see it all under the same kind of banner. That's why there's this sameness everywhere. Indie music and alt music are marginalized. Yeah, it seems like you can barely find any of that these days. It even said there was a study confirming that major labels control Spotify's playlists. So, you know, Sony, Warner, labels like that are obviously going to put themselves first. So they're really trying to like obfuscate and hide like true talent. I think that's really part of this Zio Sludge sameness agenda. They want everything out there to kind of be same. This all fits into the whole Black Cube thing too. Think about it. This is all Black Cube stuff because they want that equality. They want that sameness. And then people just say, oh, these we have so many choices. Yeah, you do, but they're all the same, right? They're all the same, essentially. They're not really good. It's like when you walk into the store and there's, I don't know, like all these different choices of, you know, something like hot sauce. And they're all, they all suck. Like they're all toxic, but they're all the same. Something else, telling jokes becomes a dangerous profession. Yeah, I mean, the way you think about it is that most 
people who are out there who are comedians are like telling like jokes that like we're supposed to find funny that really aren't funny. Like I find there's really no one out there these days. Like the, the comedy is just so PC and so kosher. It's, it's heinous to be honest. The experts who quote explain the culture to all of us seem to be insiders with identical backgrounds. Yeah, of course. This is just more of the sameness, more of the, it's just more of the web, the heads of the hydra, the tentacles of the octopus. It's just more of basically the Skeksis system being exposed, seeing all this sameness. Now we realize there was so much of this for a while. It's just now it's on steroids, it seems like. This year's movies look a lot like last year's movies, like just, you know, same shit, different day, SSDD. Even elite awards for creativity are dominated by reboots and remakes, so remakes of movies. Five companies have almost complete control over the book business, where in an earlier day, dozens of indies publishers thrived. So, wow, basically, Penguin Random, HarperCollins, Hatchet, Macmillan, and Simon & Schuster are the big five in the, uh, the publishing game. So you can't even really find like, unless you do your own, you know, ebook or self-publication, they're not even publishing like any, you know, indie publications. See more of the Zog control, control, just like how I believe there are six companies that own like, you know, basically like TV. So we can see time and time again, it's a small group that's controlling this, right? Everybody is encouraged to watch the same TV shows and movies with niche options gradually removed from the dominant platform. And yeah, I mean, Netflix back in the day used to have much more watchable, I'll put it that way, watchable content. Now it's like all these Netflix original movies, which are probably like have all these Zio agendas like implanted into the movies. So like you'll get like a Talmudic brain implant every time you, you listen to that or watch what it is. So and that uh, behooves them because essentially they're going to use any outlet they can as a propaganda outlet to uh, brain poison people. All those nasty rebellious songs that defy authorities are now owned by hedge funds. <laughs> Your favorite song is probably part of a private equity portfolio. So yeah, so ridiculous. You sounding so badass and stuff and now like some Zio hedge fund owns it. So as we can see, there is no more counterculture or if there is, it's very, very small or we're having to create it ourselves. That's kind of where the direction is going. It feels like creating your own counterculture. That's what I try to do with this show, actually, among many uh, things. I am trying to create a counterculture, a real counterculture, not one that, you know, is desperate to become a brand, like not one that's, you know, teaming up with Zio Sludge companies. No, I, I just want to build and do something that's totally and completely independent and, and really a counterculture because there is a small counterculture everywhere. It's just not being given any voice whatsoever. And now we can see that even the counterculture that existed in, you know, the main, in the main culture as kind of like the foil is totally gone. Like, look, even remember back in the day when like having a tattoo or like pink hair was like, whoa, you know, like you, you'd see it and be like, oh, wow, there's a guy with pink or a girl with pink hair or someone with a tattoo. It was like, you know, badass or something or punk rock or whatever. Like now everybody looks like that. I was at a festival the other the other day over the weekend and everyone's covered in tattoos. Everyone's got some crazy hair color, right? So like it's no longer like badass. Like that used to be the counterculture. Like being tattooed used to be a counterculture, especially heavily tattooed, right? Especially for women. 
but now it's it's everywhere so really all those countercultures even lgbtp is an example of counterculture essentially fetish counterculture right which is an agenda to promote you know all types of terrible things we know but that used to be a counterculture i mean hell wouldn't that have to be a counterculture i mean with the things that those people are doing you know veganism used to be a counterculture a lot of these things were countercultures you know even the new age at one point felt like it had more of a countercultural vibe but everything that they can basically ensnare, right? They're going to ensnare and they're going to co-opt. And even with the whole idea of the movement going mainstream in a lot of ways, or maybe alt mainstream, it's become more Zio sludge, right? It's, it's basically a snare. They had to snare us. So just some ideas right there or some ways that we can tell that we're living in a society without a cult counter counterculture. Yeah, that was a pretty... A pretty interesting article right there. We have um, Snake Eyes joining us. Hello, happy solstice. And Josh is saying everything is cookie cutter, big box, corporatized, commercialized, Talmudicized. It is. It, it totally is. There's less of that original feel. And I was noticing it for years, actually, like thinking like, oh, like the heart of that is gone or it just doesn't have the same jazz or you know, something would happen to some type of event you'd always be going to over and over again, you know, throughout your years. And it would just start to become bland and stale over time until eventually it just felt like it was flavorless or tasteless. Josh is saying, I did the new Top Gun movie. I did. I went to I saw the new Top Gun movie, which was good. Not going to lie. Well, yeah, sometimes there's there's always that. But in a way, there's still this pervasive aspect of sameness that is permeating and we think we have all these choices, but we realize it's all sameness. It's They're all detached choices, too, oftentimes, these sameness choices, because they're from lenses that are completely and totally detached from reality. Like, how many outlets or how many journalists are going to pick up a piece about transsexualism, make it a pro-transsexual piece? Probably 10 out of 10 mainstream journalists and maybe, like, I don't know, 8 out of 10 non-mainstream ones. But most people are going to run with it and, and you know, promote the dominant paradigm. Same with something about monkeypox or the, quote, variant or whatever PSYOP event. They're going to promote the dominant paradigm, which is exactly the opposite of what we want anything to do with, essentially. Because there is, I guess, a real good way to create a counterculture is just to think completely and totally opposite to Zog. That's why there's really no counterculture anymore, kind of like on a macro or macrocosmic level, is because... All the sameness we see in society is all prozog, right? They don't allow anything into like the mainstream fold of society that has any any whiff or hint of anti-zoggery attached to it. Everything has to like go over like the zog test and be as zoggy as possible, right? Like they're not going to monetize someone on on YouTube who's speaking out about you know transsexualism or like you know anti-racism or whatever. They're t they're not. They're going to promote someone who promotes their agenda, obviously. All right, so that was that article there about uh, 14 ways we can tell that we are no longer living in a counterculture. So I think for right now, we will take a little song break and I will come back and have some more interesting information for this Savoring the Solstice episode of Light Wellness Radio. We will be right back. <laughs> Thank you. 
We are back. Welcome to White Wellness Radio. I am your host, Tabitha. This is Savoring the Solstice. And that was Typo Negative, Summer Breeze, way back in 1993. Figured it was appropriate because any breeze that comes after this point can be considered a summer breeze. So welcome back to the broadcast. We're talking about a couple of different things. Talking about the summer solstice, talking about distancing ourselves from um, low-vibe you know, low vibe, racialist um, rhetoric, um, the problems with uh, LGBTP and how the anti-racist movement is anti-white and how that all kind of works into transhumanism and just moving us away from living in our reality and rooting into our reality and how we live in this bizarre world where there's very little counterculture anymore and everything is all the same. But nevertheless, we are savoring the solstice. 
So now I wanted to switch gears to some other different topics. Again, a bit of a hodgepodge of a show right here for today. And I wanted to talk about, well, interesting topic, the placenta and how they are actually selling this on the black market. Um, the value of this, oftentimes we've heard about the value of um, the skin from circumcision and how they that's a valuable thing for them. Remember, Zog has a price for everything. We live in a world of commodification where every part of the body is a commodity, not just our reproductive material like sperm and eggs, but our blood is a commodity. Our organs are a commodity. And one of these organs is actually an organ that grows during pregnancy. That is the placenta. And this is something that they love whisking away when they are doing a Zogspital birth. Typically, it's hard to get it if you're doing a Zogspital birth. They usually take it immediately. Um, and don't think that they are throwing it in the garbage. Um, they're not. Uh, they use it for many different things. That's why it's not too far-fetched. Like when we see these lists online, and I recently, I think yesterday, reposted that thing about that company, Semenax, and the whole thing with natural flavors and, you know, all of that and how that could be aborted, you know, renal tissue. So if we already are open to hearing that, like, and we know about what they're doing with, um, you know, the foreskin, so they're doing stuff with the placenta as well. And the interesting thing is that this organ is the baby's spirit twin when the baby is, is in the, in the womb. And afterwards, uh, typically, if you're doing like a, a lotus birth, you would let it sit or let it um, stay attached to the baby until it stopped pulsating. And then, you know, we would basically, the, uh, the cord would fall off and then you'd have like a belly button forming. But the placenta is typically consumed, actually, after birth, which a lot of people have, um, I guess, had their underwear in a bunch, thinking that was disgusting and not really understanding it, I guess, from kind of a nutritional perspective, but if you've ever seen an animal give birth or heard about it, animals will eat the placenta after they give um, birth. I've actually seen it. I had a guinea pig and I saw her do it. So a lot of women will actually get it dehydrated or just eat it as is after birth because it will really help fortify you and um, stave off things like postpartum depression, lots of reasons why you'd want to eat it. But what is Zog using it for? And um, how much money is it worth? What would you do if I told you that a conservative street value is around $50,000 for a placenta? And that could double or triple in the next five or 10 years. I think this is going to be true for, for all organs, especially as less healthy people are, are out there, right, with healthy organs. So there's many things that they would want. Um, the cord placental blood, because they're doing all this cord blood banking now. That's another way they're making money from people too, telling them there's like going to be a problem with their baby, scaring them, and then getting them to spend money each year to keep this cord blood for the baby. And who knows what they're doing with it, right? Uh, also the amniotic membrane of the placenta, that has use as well. They use that in ophthalmology, orthopedics, gynecology, and urology. They also do something called mesenchymal stem or stromal cells. These can be derived from the placenta and they use this in regenerative types of medicine. 
The epithelial stem cells are found in the amnion, and these have stem cells in them so they're grow they can grow skin. They use the endothelial cells that are part of the blood vessel lining of the placenta, and they use this for vascular disease. They take the extracellular matrix, and they use this for biological engineering. They use it to make scaffold material, actually. The chiron tissue is isolated from the placental sac and is used in wound care products. The cord tissue, the umbilical cord tissue, is used as an allograft or for wrapping stents. And the conditioned media, there are numerous beneficial factors that are secreted by the perinatal cells and tissue, including cytokines, hydrolonic acid, growth factors, etc. So there are a lot of reasons why they want this because look at all the good it can do for them. And this is just to realize that we've been doing, I guess you could call it corpse medicine. I think that's probably the proper term. There's been corpse medicine alive for a long, long time. I mean, I think it's, it's more normal, maybe. Maybe that's the wrong word. I mean, they're, they're both kind of weird, to be honest with you, but I think using the placenta for these medical treatments is more, I don't know, less recoiling, let's put it that way, less recoiling than what they do with the aborted fetal cells. But I mean, honestly, it's both, it's, it's kind of black magic-y, I guess, because like then think about this, if the placenta is your baby's spirit twin, then they're putting like part of that into like all the use for all these things, right? So there's got to be like a an energy of that being and all of these materials that they're they're you know they're basically harvesting from the from the placenta very into very uh interesting how this all works but yeah fifty thousand dollars and now they want um to incentivize placental donation i think most oh you know why they're doing this because they probably want people who are people excuse me women who are birthing outside of the hospital to give theirs um, to the hospital, maybe? I don't know. I mean, most most of the time, I think they just take it. I know that's how it was when, when I was born. But yeah, interesting to just think about how all of these things are in, in the supply, right? In the food supply, in the medical supply. And you can, like I said, make a smoothie with this actually some people will just take a chunk of it like you would with um people make these liver smoothies where they make like a, a chocolate or a berry flavored smoothie and they just drop like a little chunk of liver in it women can do this postpartum with a piece of placenta or you can get it and in, made into a caps encapsulated or made into a tincture or you could just eat it just as is like an animal would like you're you know just swallowing raw chunks of liver and anyone out there who thinks this is um disgusting um and that would probably just be the way that the Zio sludge uh, anti-counterculture culture has conditioned someone to think that this has a clear purpose. Um, there's actually oxytocin as well as prostaglandins in the placenta. So this encourages bonding um, between the mother and the child taking in the placenta. Also stimulates lactation. And all mammals essentially do this. So um, to think it's disgusting, again, is to be conditioned by misogynistic, zio-sludge, Talmudic propaganda. It can replenish nutrients, of course, because every birth takes 10 to 20% of nutrients from you. 
It can decrease post-bleeding and elevate mood and keep postpartum depression at bay, which seems to be a big issue these days. And it says oftentimes that your mate or your partner can tell when the new mother has skipped her daily dose of placenta. So this is really, really interesting, all the ways that it can help your body. So definitely don't give it away to um, Big Z. Yeah, definitely don't. So you can just do, like I said, you can make these smoothies. Um, a more of a traditional Chinese method of making it is to integrate warming herbs along with the placenta, like ginger, lemongrass, and spicy pepper, and steam it and make it into like a herbal blend that had those things all together. So there's always different ways to kind of influence the energy of something that you're going to consume. But yeah, this is something that I guess not that many people know about, especially with the whole black market value, but you can see all the wonderful things that this organ does postpartum, why they would want to take it and use it for all these medical things. And the placenta is new, uh, transporting nutrients, essentially that's what it does. And it also regulates hormones and opiates and one placental hormone, CRH, corticotropin releasing hormone, is linked to stress reduction. So this is one of the reasons why it works so beautifully um, postpartumly. CRH is usually in the jurisdiction of the hypothalamus, but during pregnancy, the placenta produces large amounts of CRH, which remain in the organ even after birth. So eating it um, is believed that consuming it daily will stabilize a woman's CRH levels, resulting in a less anxious mothering experience. So basically your body is creating something that's going to feed your baby and then be medicine for you. And Zog wants to make, remember, you're not going to make any money on this. Zog wants to make 50 grand using it for all of their therapies. And these therapies have to exist in the first place because they've done other things in society where people devalued themselves and created emotional conflicts and they got ill because of it. So, Yeah. So a little bit of information there. Maybe you didn't hear, think you were going to hear that today on the broadcast, but um, yeah, there's definitely something to it. Remember, 50 grand they want for it. It just kind of looks like a spleen too. Uh, looks like, if you ever know what a placenta looks like, it looks like the spleen and then the cord outside is like, um, is blue, but wild. It's a wild world out there in regards to how, how things go and what, what things really are. And how there is really no counterculture, just reflecting on that, that there really is no counterculture is just kind of, it really is this sense of sameness. I've felt it for a while. That's why it's so important to do creative stuff, like really creative stuff, right? Creating anything. It could be something as simple as a meal that's going to be gone in 20 minutes, or it could be like painting something or doing something, the spoken word, just doing something that is creative that feels like you're creating it as opposed to being part of this mass, you know, this mass culture. Let's see, Josh is saying, regarding the placenta, although I don't work in the medical field, I've seen them placed in containers. Not sure if they discard these or not though, but honestly, the eating list does not seem um, good, yuck. Well, the guy doesn't eat it. The husband doesn't eat it. It's for the wife to eat because she's the one who needs it because, uh, you know, she's the one who needs to be replenished. And Epiphany is saying, sounds gross to me too, but I've never given birth, so I can't say. I mean, I know that, I don't think I've really, I think I've known people who have done it, but I didn't, I never like knew anyone like personally, like up close who did it. Um, 
I think it's been popular since back in the day though. Like I remember hearing about it like growing up and stuff because it was something that some people who were macrobiotic did do. Um, and then some people actually just took it and put it in the backyard and made it into like a fertilizer because it actually does help like your garden grow or like, you know, just it really does replenish the soil because it's so rich in nutrients. Just like if you were to say, bury a liver or a spleen in the backyard, it would do the same thing, right? So yeah, a little bit there and how they uh, they want that. And they want all the material they can get so they can build a golem of some sort, right? So now I wanted to answer a viewer question that someone had answered or someone had asked rather last time I put something out about questions and things of that nature. So I just wanted to get to that question. Let's see where it is. I think it's in my saved folder. It's a good question that I think will probably help a lot of people. Let's see where it is. Okay, here is the question. A real path forward for white parents. As a parent, it seems like most of the my peers, my kids' daughters meet, are all into the LGBT movement. They're all into hoping or pretending they have some mental issue that makes them special. Even in places like volleyball, this seems to be the type for most people they meet. There is no way to 100% avoid the internet, and it's crazy. The culture promoted lazy and fun as these great virtues, but you get unhealthy and depressed when you are lazy. Encouraging them to healthy nutrition, exercise, learning, making quality friends is something they fight against, and their reasoning is always because friends, friends' parents, and most authority figures in anything popular push a dog narrative. One daughter is starting to get outside more and eat better, told me on Monday. Why do you do the mace and stretch on the grass? There are a million bugs and germs that will kill you on the grass. The idea that nature and the human body are vile, evil, and gross seems too ingrained to break. Long story short version, how to make a real difference for the next generation, not just myself. As a dad, I'm healthy and good, but my kids can't get there and I feel like I failed them. Well, yeah, that's a that's a big question to um, answer, and I'm I'm sure probably other other parents out there can relate to this theme of just a lot of these youngsters kind of just being a different type of caliber of youngster than we were. Of course, they're growing up in you know in a world that has different things when when you're younger at this age. You know, for us, we're already a little older, so it's it's different. Um, sadly, oftentimes it's it's the public fooling that will promote and kind of shape these ideas and. I know for everyone, it's not an option to get their children out of the school, but if they're spending like a bulk of their day around, you know, all this indoctrination, it's, it's going to be hard in the time that, you know, they're, they're home in the, you know, in the house with the family to kind of think differently when their social circle and the place where they spend, I don't know, eight hours a day, like five days a week, like that's, that's why they tell a lot of us these things in the school. I mean, imagine what we would think if we were young now and we heard a lot of the stuff that they were promoting. Like, what the hell would we think? Would we think that we were trannies too? Who knows? But I think oftentimes, like with this this question right here, I think the LGBT movement really is a, is a victim movement, just like the vegan movement is a victim movement. I think a lot of, even I think the white nationalist movement is a victim movement to an extent. I think all these movements are, you know, they're all, they're all controlled, obviously, Zio sludge control, but um, it's hard, I guess. I don't know. I mean, maybe you could spend, you have to spend all your time 
after they got out of school to deprogram all the stuff that they had learned. And if you don't want to take them out of school, that's a, that's a hard one. I mean, maybe moving to a different area, maybe moving to a different school, something like that. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I think a lot of white parents out there maybe don't want to or, or can't homeschool for whatever reason, or they don't think they're capable of doing it. And then they wish there was like some alternative that their, you know, their children could go somewhere and be around like other white youngsters. And it was wholesome and it was normal. And they learned like, you know, real life skills and, you know, boys were boys and, you know, girls were girls and there was, there was respect, but you know, there was no like gender bendy, like Zio sludge crap. So it's, it's hard. That's the thing. Like when the dominant amount of time someone spends taking in whatever information it is, that's going to be what their dominant paradigm of thought is. It's like that comment about, you know, the bugs and the germs and the grass could kill you. Like that's what they're being taught. They're, they're being taught to fear everything about nature and that just kind of not doing much, but just kind of like getting by and I think in the future, I don't even know if people are going to realize how depressed they are because they're going to be so bathed in like all these things they think are pleasurable, right? So they may even be, they may be totally desensitized to the level of depression that they actually have. Like even someone who's done all that transsexual surgery, but they're going to be on so many medicines like mentally and physically in the future. They're not even going to be themselves anymore. They're going to completely disassociate from their bodies, which is probably one of the big, you know, end game narratives they want us to completely just totally like become singular like our bodies and mind become singular because now they're 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 melded obviously like our emotional thought processes processes can actually cause us illness right so they're that's i think their idea for all of that is to separate that but i guess to answer this question to have some information that's um an antidote to this this tranny stuff and this this germ theory stuff i mean even if you're modeling the same good and, and healthy habits it's hard when they spend, you know, eight plus hours a day hearing the Zio Sludge. So maybe trying to find another place to send them to school, if that's a possibility, I guess would, would be the answer that I would that I would offer, you know, in lieu of homeschooling or in lieu of having a place like a, I think in the future, we, we will have something more like that, where there will be these kind of like, you know, white, white educational centers for, you know, just white children to like not only be around white children and, you know, get a decent, wholesome lunch, but also learn about our history and learn about all the lies as well. And, and none of that transsexual indoctrination, not, not a stitch. But that would that would be my answer to that question. And let's see, we've got some comments right here. Josh is saying, Epiphany saying, when I was a kid, no one went to preschool. Kindergarten was it. I think those first five years are critical. Yeah, see, I did go to preschool. Maybe it was becoming a thing. Um, I went to preschool for two years, actually. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I was in the three-year room and I was in the four-year room. And then I went to kindergarten and then I did the whole, you know, the whole thing up until graduation. But um, those early years are very formative definitely i mean there are youngsters now who are six months old who are put into like a daycare so it starts uh really early with um with some children josh is saying my son will be sharing starting starting high school this year so far his schooling has has not done the lgbtq crap or anything else knock on wood well that's that's good but it is happening 
for other kids. Maybe it's going to be different in the high school. I hope it's not. Um, I know in some of the more coastal areas of the country, like I'm pretty sure in California, they're pushing all that, that Zao sludge, tranny stuff, the germ stuff, the anti-white stuff, you know, all this stuff goes together. It's all part of, you know, the black cubism. And I'm, I think they're pushing it in New York too. So I think the coasts always get the trends first, unfortunately. You know, and some some people like probably literally think it's a good thing, which is beyond me that anyone could think that that was a good thing. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, casualties, you know, for the for the children for all this all this stuff that happens. It's really unfortunate. Um, this agenda it feels like the lobotomy agenda of, of many many years ago. But yeah, it's good that it's not being pushed uh, at your kid's school, Josh. But like I said, it's being pushed other other schools for other youngsters and other youngsters are believing it, unfortunately. I just can't believe that people would believe something that was so far removed from reality as as transsexualism. But I mean, in in the future, like more people may be so clouded with just, I don't know, just Talmudic like miasma that they're not even gonna like be able to think like wait there actually could only be like two sexes like they're not even gonna be able to rationalize like a thought like that they're gonna only be able to think that like things are on spectrums like even just thinking that sex is on a spectrum totally changes how you think about something right so it would really behoove them to tell us that sex and quote gender are both on a spectrum just to make us like totally fuck with our brains right i think that's really it really is a mind war overall and of course spiritual as well but these things come in psychologically for sure let's see so yeah it's uh it's a it's a zoggy zog world i guess out there but still still enjoy the good things like the solstice and all the things that we have to look forward to even though things are crazy things always seem to be a bit crazy but also not not spending too much time you know looking into these things right like why for what for what reason like i feel like that can take us away from you know working on our own creativity which is what they don't want us to be doing like we should always be working on our own things and still enjoying stuff and of course being prepared for everything as well but they want to get us like stuck in these snares where we just react to everything and become kind of like a a memeified version of what they want us to be right crazy i'm just looking if there's anything else that i wanted to share for this broadcast and i have some i have a new clip on patreon too um i added one clip i'm going to be doing more as time goes on i might even was thinking about possibly doing like little videos on there maybe i would do like cooking videos or, or something like that. Um, just like maybe short, short stuff, like little things like that to see if that would be something that could be cool to do. Um, perhaps I don't think I have too much for this show. This is kind of like an impromptu show because I haven't been doing my walks too much lately. I've been doing other types of exercise and then taking most of my sun time now, since it's got a little bit warmer, I've been having most of my sun time happen whilst I'm just, you know, chilling on the beach and stuff. And I typically read whilst at the beach. I don't, um, 
I don't like do broadcasts, although I think have I ever did a broadcast at the beach? Yeah, I have a couple, but I wasn't I wasn't tanning at the time, so I usually just go there and I, I read a couple of books. So I've been taking in like a lot of information, I feel, lately on a lot of stuff, uh, but interesting stuff, relying more on books to read. I feel like there's just something nice and organic about reading a book as opposed to just, you know, what we get when we like read too many articles, you know, all that type of, of feeling. I just like the feeling of, of actually reading a book because I feel like when you read stuff online, sometimes it's like, you know, you're like, is this actually like legit? Like, is this is this good information? And I feel like a book just maybe it's my connotation has more of a, of a trusted feeling. Like when you read something in a book, although maybe maybe that's not the best thing to have. But it just feels like it's more confirming when it comes from like a book where the information is kind of more curated to, you know, the topic at hand. Epiphany is saying, I love the smell of used bookstores. Yeah, me too. It always has kind of like a smell of just, well, all the smells that got into like the fold of the book when like it was in that person's possession, right? So it's it's pretty cool how that works. Uh, I like that too. I've got something I wanted to share just to kind of wrap up this show. Uh, making yourself more creative every day. I think this is a good thing to talk about. And it kind of goes, you know, it's it's directly against all the stuff that is out there that's, you know, designed to not be, not be healthy for us and to be harmful. So being creative in this world of so much sameness, how can we make ourselves more creative? Make yourself more creative every day. We wish we had more creative mind and the moment our mind pops up with a great idea we wonder why we didn't think of it earlier we often find ourselves saying i'm not a creative person and i can't think of new ideas well that's not a good thing to say to ourselves that would be a self-devaluation conflict the truth is we all have creative abilities but not all of us tap into them fully if we care for our mind the right way it can flood us with creative ideas and possibilities all the time so here are some ideas for stoking the juices of creativity and feeling like there's less of that sameness that seems to just kind of invade everything these days. Like I even noticed it when I went to the mall the last couple of times. You know, all these different stores in the mall and they're all selling a similar version of the style. You know, whether it's for male, female, children. They're, it just, it's just everything is like a little twist of a difference, but it all has the same core. And of course, they love when they can put all these different choices out and people think, wow, there's so many choices and they're all the same. You know, that's always a funny one. I guess well, not for people who believe in it, but here are some ideas for making yourself more creative every day. Thoughts are the basis of your words and actions. Creativity implies you develop new ways of thinking which help you choose the right responses. Choices, decisions, actions, and interactions. So thoughts, thoughts are the basis. Two, meditate every morning to silence your mind, study spiritual knowledge to implant seeds of new days of new ways of thinking into your subconscious mind. Thereafter, your thoughts are created out of your innate wisdom, not external influences. This is also kind of, you know, making the shift from you creating your thought processes as opposed to like, you know, some meme or some news or some Zio sludge. And, you know, it's just you creating it for your, yourself. I think that's another problem with all these choices and all this information overload is that we get all this information into our brain and then are we creating our thoughts ourselves or are they coming from external influences, right? I mean, a person who spends a lot of time watching a lot of Zio Sludge media is going to have a totally different like 
take on things, almost a different thought process than someone who gets more of their information, you know, from their innate wisdom, right? Whether it is a task at hand, a relationship or a health issue, practice the pause. In every scene, connect with your wisdom to, to get a perfect response or solution. That's really important. I don't think uh, looking back in some things I've done, taking that pause, having the the uh, allocation to take that pause is probably the first part of it. But uh, taking that pause, important to kind of just connect and just, you know, go with that. Number four, the basic energy of creativity is power, right? What are, what are they after? What's the enemy after? Our power, our vril, right? When you are creative, you will maintain stable, even in situations that are challenging or people's behaviors that are not right. Even if you react in any scene, reflect and visualize yourself doing it a different way in the future. That's an interesting spin on it, reacting differently, like kind of taking a retake on things. So those are some ways you can make yourself more creative. Working on your thoughts as the basis of your action, uh, meditating in the morning, taking a pause with a task at hand, and then remembering that your basic creative energy is power. Pretty groovy stuff. Oh, and something else, this is funny. Um, when I was at that festival this this weekend, I was at a festival, I think on Saturday. Yeah, I saw a lot of like crazy booths. Like they had like booths, you know, selling stuff. And I got some fun stuff. But they had a booth about like the Bible, like I'll end all the suffering in the world. And then they had one about LGBTP. And that wasn't even the funny part. The funny part was they had this like whole political thing with like all these like conservative like trinkets and like shirts and they had one that said trump 2024 so some people are still there you know hoping that he comes um back i mean it, it would be funny to see if he really did run and like he won just a reaction on like the lib shit people's face because like they seriously like still believe in like the theater of that so i guess that would be like mildly humorous or even if like his, his son was to to win but i mean just for just such a chosen people are who are just thinking about and there could be some people in the quote movement who are thinking about trump 2024 actually i hope not josh is saying the trump 2024 is all over the place down here oh i didn't know that see it's 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 in patches here you see it you see it like here and there like it's not all over here but it depends like what part or what area you're in, but <laughs> nice to know that it's all over your part of the country. It's probably a bigger thing in the South, maybe, than up here in the Northeast. I mean, I feel like there's like more, I don't know, maybe it's divided here still with people, but I mean, I think New York is basically a blue state, so probably most people voted for uh, for him. But yeah, it just it's funny that people would actually wear a shirt that says like Trump 2024. Josh is saying, oh, yes, those types of festivals, vendors, the marketing center have lots of that stuff. They had like um, something about like I'm on the right or the, just a bunch of these like really just like cringy, like conservative, like shirts and uh, hats and stuff like that. Like it was it was funny just walking by like the booth and just seeing it. But they were better things to buy. I, I spent money on on honey. I got a little pair of pants. Um I got this like alpaca, like this like little alpaca where it's actually made of alpaca fur. I had another one at home and I wanted one to match it. So those are the things I spent money on. I didn't get a Trump 2024 shirt, but I would wear it as a joke. If someone gave me that shirt, I would wear it out as, as a joke 
just just to see the reaction I think it would be kind of funny because it's just it's it's so like it's so much part of all that metaverse crap you know it's just it's part of that just holographic hollow hoaxing kosher theater that we really just don't even need to think about that type of stuff I don't know it's just it's so lowbrow to me um I'm so glad I'm I'm past doing the voting and would even like emotionally get myself caught up in caring about something like that yikes right so I think that is all I have for this week's broadcast a little bit of a shorter one but I know sometimes that's that's good stuff so you have just uh, finished listening to savoring the solstice with me your host Tabitha on white wellness radio I hope everyone has like an awesome solstice whatever you do epiphany is saying having a wonderful afternoon everyone it's just past 11 a.m here that's right you're on the uh the earlier schedule here it's already two o'clock but yeah whatever you do today have a great solstice, enjoy it, uh, eat something fun, do a little ritual, even if you're, you know, alone or just with one person or whoever you're with, just do whatever you want to do today. And um, I hope you enjoyed the show and be sure to catch, you know, the mini clips and the other live broadcast, follow on Telegram or Patreon if you desire. And we'll be connecting again soon on the next broadcast. Okay, everybody, Satnam.